great song. Welcome to Wednesday. This is Holly Stuffy, and um, we have, well, that was a lot of static there for a second. Sorry about that. Um, I have with me today Jack Dunlavy, who plays mandolin, and that is from the debut album from Meadow Music that's going to be coming out, I believe, next month. Um, I'm going to bring him into the studio real quick and we're going to talk about that track Careless Heart which we just played are you there? Hey it's Holly welcome yeah, to the show. Yeah thanks so much for having me Holly Jack. Yeah I know that was a great track and uh, I just wanted to let everyone know that um, if they would like to listen to the show later it will be available on iTunes and also on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio on demand and if you would like to call in um, if I have any listeners that would like to call in, it's three four seven six seven seven one zero three six. Meanwhile, Jack, mandolin—that's a very cool instrument, and uh, um, this is great music. And we like to bring new music to all our listeners. Tell us a little bit about um, Meadow Mountain and a little bit about how you all came together and these different instruments and. Uh, I know that um, you have a fantastic producer for this um, new debut. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, of course. Um, well, there's a whole lot to cover. It's a pretty yeah, broad I question. I, well, the band yeah, Meadow Mountain cool. is named It's uh, named after a real mountain in the Vail Valley. It's actually mm-hmm. right behind Vail Mountain in a little town called Minturn. And that's mm-hmm. the area where most of the band grew up. And we mm-hmm. are all raised in the mountains of Colorado. So our music kind of comes from, from that in a lot of ways. And it also has an eye for music coming from a different mountain range uh, in Appalachia. That's where really traditional bluegrass is from. We've taken a lot of time and effort to study that music because we love it so much. So we sound a little bit more like a band from that region than most Colorado bands do. Or I'm told that at least. Mm-hmm. Um, Great music. The band came together. I love it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that last song I, I wrote, and it's unfortunately about uh, real life events. Oh, really? Okay. That's cool. <laughs> um, I mean, you know. They're somewhat dramatized as any good song would be. Mm-hmm. I think some of the best songs in life are written about real life experiences. You know, I think it's uh, that's a really cool, that's a cool thing. And I know I saw some of the other tracks on here and they're really great, but that song's really a very, um, it's got a great rhythm to it and it also has great lyrics. So you wrote that. Do you do most of the writing? No, I I do some of it, but most of the writing mm-hmm. goes on somewhere in the mind of our guitar player, Summers Baker. And uh, okay. he's the one that I started the band with. He and I went to high school together, and we used to skip class and play guitar in the hallway. And um, <laughs> we had the same classical guitar teacher. And then uh, oh, wow. we ended up going to different colleges. He went to CSU to study poetry, and I went to the University of mm-hmm. Denver to study classical piano and oh, wow. we'd get back together during the, the summer and winter breaks in school and we would always 
work at our, our mentor, Taylor Kundolf's studio, which was at the base of mm-hmm. Meadow Mountain, where the band got its name. And mm-hmm. we, just every day we would uh, get together and we would work on all manner of stuff, just practice and write together and learn tunes. And um, around that time, I started picking up the mandolin and he and I started busking on the street at the Vale Farmer's Market, which uh, mm-hmm. was a great time and a great thing to be doing, uh, especially for a couple of young kids. And we were making a little bit more money than we knew what to do with uh, Oh wow! playing in a place like Vale on the street as a kind of a right place, right time sort of thing. And so we mm-hmm. were able to convince mm-hmm. a couple of my, my new friends from music school to come up and play with us because we could uh, promise them a little bit of money. And um, that's how Wilson Wallen joined on bass and Ian Parker joined playing the fiddle. That's fantastic. So that's sort of how the band got started. Yeah. That was several years ago. And it's not like the same story as so many other bands that we love and admire where they uh, had a bunch of really fantastic pickers who got together and decided to make a group. Instead, it was oh, yeah. friends who were hanging together and learning how to play together. And it just uh, somehow happened that it, it turned into a serious project. And now it's a, it's a real band. No, and you know what? I think that the, that is really, you know, something, your intention behind it, you know, the intention behind what you wanted to do. And, wow, piano playing, do you, I mean, you know, piano playing and then your other, you know, partner there went and did poetry, and then you have these other people that are playing with you, and you all sound fantastic, and you kind of, you know, just get on with each other. Did you um, play in any other bands before you formed this band? Or Um, were you just always kind of like just doing your own thing? Well, yeah, I've uh, played in a lot of groups, and I still do, actually. Um, What Mm -hmm. I do for for work and what I have since I graduated from music school is uh, freelancing, mostly playing jazz piano. Oh, wow. So I do a little bit of everything nice. and play with uh, several groups at any given moment. I started off playing mm-hmm. in a, a garage band with my friends, and we would play uh, almost exclusively ACDC songs. And uh, <laughs> then later on, I started playing electric bass in uh, my history teacher's punk band. So some of my first gigging experience was really uh, going out to bars with my history teacher as a 16-year-old. Um, wow. He kept me out of trouble. Mm-hmm. That's good. And you guys are yeah. all in Colorado, and you're still out there, and your roots are out there. And I know that you have um, – oh, let's talk about real quick. When is the CD coming out, or when is when does this drop? The – Album is released on November 2nd, and okay. we have a schedule of single premieres and releases leading up to that, and then later there will be also some video releases to sort of hype the the album. Right now, we have yeah. a uh, song that you played, Careless Heart, was our first single, mm-hmm. and that's released on streaming platforms and is premiered at bluegrasstoday.com. And okay. uh, currently, it's the only... Thing we have available on all of those platforms we have a lot of music on youtube and some music videos there but we 
we're always surprised at the the amount of stuff that we've managed to do without having an album available to listen to yet. So we're excited to see mm-hmm. where that takes us and see what no, kind of I, can build I mean, having that kind of a tool. Yeah, and I mean, you know, so how diverse is this? I mean, you're playing mandolin, plus you're um, trained in classical piano, plus then jazz piano. I mean, and you played in other bands. Tell me a little bit about some of the other tracks that are on this um, debut. I know that we're going to be playing another song called Shadow of a Mountain to close with. Um, But I know there are quite a few other, uh, you know, pieces on this, and I would like to talk about those, what we can look forward to and what, you know, where they all came from. Yeah. Yeah, well, that next track that you're going to play, Shadow of a Mountain, was written by our banjo player, George Guthrie. And he was the last person to mm-hmm. join the band. Um, and he moved out to Colorado from Virginia. And so oh, he wow. had that sort of okay. that straight-ahead bluegrass tradition going for him. And um, he helped guide the band towards that sound. Of course, he's... Uh, very talented and loves to play all sorts of other kinds of music and different styles of bluegrass and entirely different genres. But that is one of the things that really gets him going. And uh, we found that we share that and gets us all going. So the first song, as well as the next one that you're going to play, Shadow of a Mountain, which is written by George, have that sort of bluegrass driving feeling. And that comes from... Mm -hmm the South and Appalachia and where American folk music is uh, generally stemmed from. But then there's also a lot of music that's influenced by uh, sort of our Colorado roots and our interest in all sorts of kinds of music. There's a, a track to look forward to and it'll be another one of our single releases written by the guitar player, Summers Baker. And that's called radio wave. I think there'll be an accompanying music video as well. And that one, mm-hmm. uh, people have described it as like a Radiohead gone acoustic. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. very different from. I agree. From the I bluegrass agree. stuff, I I listen to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very different. Um, I heard a lot of the other tracks, but we're just playing these two today. Um, yeah. I want to ask you, you know, what um, what kind of music do you listen to when you're not? you know, playing or, I mean, what are you currently listening to right now? Well, there's all sorts. Today I was just listening to Mm -hmm. an album by David Benedict, who's a great mandolinist. Mm -hmm. He plays with a band called Mile 12. He has a new album Mm -hmm. out. And so that's very much related to what I'm doing with this band. But um, same as the rest of the members of the group, we have very diverse musical palettes. So mm-hmm. oftentimes I'll listen to, in a, the course of a single day, I'll listen to a lot of straight-ahead bluegrass and uh, jazz, contemporary jazz like Brad Meldow, and then mm-hmm. switch over to maybe like uh, Balinese gamelan music and other world music. Oh, really? Uh, classical oh, music, wow. indie rock, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes punk rock if I'm feeling particular particularly angsty, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> do a little black flag or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's just so mm-hmm. much good music out there and all these different worlds that you can explore. And I think we all get a lot of inspiration from that. And we take that with us into this band, 
even though the, the thrust well, is, of it has generally been a, straight ahead bluegrass. Yeah, it's a great sound. And you know what I wanted to say was, uh, you know, I can see some of this music possibly being um, soundtracks for... Yeah, sure. You know, films or like, you know, even commercials. I know that a lot of people don't want to, they say, oh, no, I'd rather do film than I would do a commercial. But, um, you know, have you, now you do have some appearances that I did see. Uh, let's give your website out real quick, too, because I want to drive everyone there and let everyone see. It's Meadow Mountain Music, right? Meadow Mountain Music. That's correct. Okay. Mountain yeah, and yeah, and if you go there, you can check out all the different things that are going on. You can see links to where you can stream. Um, but what I wanted to say was, uh, you know, the music itself that came to be, and the people that have supported you. What has been like the most? What is? What are people' reactions? when they're hearing the, when you play, guys play and the, and with this music? Well, we've been fortunate that they, uh, they tend to be very positive and that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's super encouraging, but we've uh, just started yeah. traveling and touring the country a little bit and doing that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really interesting being in totally different places one night to the next, seeing the different ways mm-hmm. people do react to our music. Uh, like uh, in July, we were on the East Coast, and we started off in the Carolinas and wound up Vermont and upstate New York and played everywhere in between. And nice. It was a big cross-section of the country that we got to see for the first time for a lot of us. And so at a mm-hmm. traditional bluegrass festival in Vermont, we would play some of our more progressive things, and people would raise their eyebrows, and uh, it was maybe uh, – a little bit out there for their taste. And then we would turn around and we'd play a, a Stanley Brothers tune or one of our original <laughs> straight ahead bluegrass uh-huh. songs. And they, they would sort of calm down again. They were, <laughs> um, no, it's like great a music. Like a avoided problem. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, thank you. And then uh, other places no, it like is. in New York City or mm-hmm. actually a lot of places in Virginia even where you would think you would generally be more conservative. Uh, a lot of our progressive music has been really well received and uh, it, it's fun to be able to do a few different things with one band and mm-hmm. sort of cater what you're playing to what audience is there and learning how to gauge who wants to hear what. And that's a tremendous learning experience. Are you planning on coming out to the West coast at all? Yes, we are. Um, just recently joined the roster with strategic touring, which is oh, nice. super awesome. We're excited to have a booking agent now who will be doing <laughs> all of that work, which he is much more uh, well suited to do than I am. <laughs> and up until now it's been uh, the guitar player summers and me doing the booking for the band. Um, mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, that's just, hard. Yeah. We've learned it's a, uh, it's a whole world unto itself and it makes sense that there are people whose career it is to solely do that. Um, so we don't have any tour dates announced currently for the West coast, but you can expect to see us out there sometime soon. Oh, that would be cool. 
You know, and uh, I have um, an event that I'm involved in that happens in Nashville that um, I'd like to maybe talk to you about later um, off the air, you know, um, because I think this would be really fun. I, I find the music to be high energy and also there's a lot of really great lyrics to it if you really, you know, listen to it. And um, what I wanted to ask you also, who was your mentor growing up? Like you personally, um, what did you, you know, what did, where did you see yourself going with music besides, I mean, you went from classical piano to, you know, playing jazz and now you're doing this. So who mentored you? as you were growing up with music? Yeah. Um, well, I was lucky to have very musical parents, though neither of them play. And they played a very That's diverse cool. range of music in the house. So I was exposed to a lot oh, of really? things. And okay. it's interesting, like, finding myself years later joining salsa mm-hmm. bands and playing Latin dance music oh, for really? the first time and realizing really? that I know some of that music by heart because my mom would play like Buena Vista Social Club records or things like that when mm-hmm. I was growing up. Um, so there's a lot of people who have filled a, a mentorship role to me and really shaped the course of my career so far, if I can call it being just 25 years old. Um, and I guess that started with my parents, but most significantly I would I would say Taylor Kundolf, who's a pianist mm-hmm. and a singer he's a piano bar entertainer is what he does and he lives in Vail, Colorado and when I was in high school with the guitar player Summers Baker we were playing a lot of acoustic guitars together and uh, both started studying classical guitar at about the same time and we got this new music teacher and that was Taylor and mm-hmm. we we did the musicals we sang in the barbershop quartet for the musical uh, Music Man and Oh really? He oh great. Yeah, so he sort of entered our life around that time, and then um, by my senior year, he was giving me a piano lesson every fourth period, and uh, just helping me plunge headfirst into the world of classical music. And um, mm-hmm. later on, he helped me to learn to read from lead sheets and approach the American Songbook, and that's sort of how I got my first entree into the world of jazz. Um, yeah, but he it's hard to overstate the role that he's played in both mine and Summer's musical lives. He's really supported mm-hmm. us and opened up his studio with his concert grand piano and all that for us to work in. And he would come and hang out with us for hours every day and just teach us about music and life. And, uh, yeah, there's no end to the gratitude that we have for that man. Mm-hmm. How... How long did it take for you to record this uh, new debut album that you're that's going to be released? When did you it guys start us, it? Um, well, the idea to make a full-length record happened uh, about a year ago, just after the mm-hmm. Rocky Grass oh, wow. Bluegrass Festival, where we were fortunate mm-hmm. enough to win the band contest which anyone wow. who knows bluegrass music knows that that can be a, a huge boost to your career. Oh, um, sure. It was about that time we started getting a lot more recognition and there was the demand for us to put out an album. So we started talking about it and 
took about six months of planning and starting to make a bunch of connections and uh, getting together mm-hmm. with Chris Pandolfi of the infamous String Dusters and deciding to use him as our producer for the album. And by February, we uh, first started by running a Kickstarter to raise the money mm-hmm. to be able to make the record. And um, it, it's a pretty expensive prospect to make a professional studio album these days. We found that we couldn't make it for any less than $20,000. And mm-hmm. we were really worried about that. We thought that people would laugh at us for making our Kickstarter goal at that level. And uh, we were we put a lot of effort into the planning and our strategy for that campaign, but we were really surprised by the level of support we saw. And in three days, a Kickstarter campaign usually runs for a month. In three days, we raised the whole $20,000 and were able to go on really? to... Really? Wow. Yeah, to to raise about $30,000, which helped us to purchase our first tour van. Mm -hmm. So that happened in February. And then we went into the studio and to answer your question, I guess the roundabout way of doing so, um, it took us five days in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. What studio did you guys record in? At Mighty Fine Productions with Colin Bricker. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite recording studio in the Denver Mm -hmm. area. Uh, so yeah, it's great working really with him. And... Cool. Wow. And the background on the other people that are playing on this with you, there's yourself, then there's uh, George, um, and then Wilson, right? Yeah. And Summers. Okay. And uh, where? what are their backgrounds? And Ian. Do they all, and where do they all come from? And and Ian, yes, of course. Yeah. Where does everybody's, well, you know, musical backgrounds come from? Well, as I mentioned, George was the only uh, non-Colorado boy. He moved mm-hmm. three years ago to Denver from Virginia, and he was originally from Connecticut. He studied jazz guitar in school, but also wow, uh, was around bluegrass music because it's much more prevalent in that part of the country. And so mm-hmm. he studied it and uh, moved away from jazz guitar and into the banjo, um, which was an irrevocable mistake. He'll never be able to to live down, I think. We always like to poke fun at banjo players. <laughs> um, so he comes from that background. And the bass player, Wilson, as well as the fiddle player, Ian, I met while I was at music school at the University of Denver. Wilson was studying... Mm-hmm jazz and classical bass and Ian who's now our fiddle player was studying classical piano just the same as I was um, oh wow that's yeah. fantastic so you guys all have like covers a background yeah no yeah. and and we're and what um, are you guys currently working on besides getting this out now you're currently working on obviously getting on that tour that you're going to be doing um, what else are you guys working on? Have you written new music? Is there a follow-up on this? Yeah. Um, it's crazy to think that making a record in February and then having it only out in November, that it would take that long. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the reasons that it's uh, taken so long is that we've been very fortunate to have been pick up, picked up by uh, Tape Time Records, 
We've signed a record mm-hmm. deal with them to release the album. And that's a record label started by a band that we look up to very much called the Infamous String Dusters. Mm-hmm. They made their own record label after their experiences with a, a lot of uh, bigger labels to try to, for one, to make things more, I think, fluid and easier for themselves as a band, but also to be able to support bands like us. And right now it's a small roster. We, along with the Infamous String Dusters, are Horseshoes and Hand Grenades and us, and those are the only three bands at this point. Oh, um, no, I think so, I think it's really great that you're going to go yeah. on tour, too, because that really will, you know, and then people, um, November 2nd, it'll be available on Tape Time Records, correctly, and yep. uh, let's see, um, and then you do have the, the tour coming up, which will be really cool. I'd love to see yeah. you guys come out here on the West Coast, you know, because there's a lot of really great places out here that um, I think your music would be very well received. Um, I appreciate that. What? Um, yeah. Do you do you do you have do you dedicate yourself 100% to your music, or are you do you have a are you working besides doing the music? Is everybody um, just? Mu- working directly straight with the music or yeah most of us are playing music full-time and a couple of the members of the band work part-time at coffee shops doing the barista thing yeah uh, fulfilling every stereotype that they can and yeah no I feel I feel very lucky to be able to do what I love to do and it takes Mm -hmm. a lot of diversity as I mentioned playing everything from jazz to salsa bluegrass music, R&B, you name it, recording, mm-hmm. playing at hotel lobbies, and uh, and then playing shows. But what I really love doing is uh, being on the road and playing for for an audience with your own music, and that's what I get to do with this band, Meadow Mountain. Mm-hmm. So it's really exciting for me, and I, yeah. I think that's a sentiment shared by everyone else in the band. Oh, sure. Yeah. Now, I'm out here in Sonoma, and, you know, we have – we do have a strong bluegrass type, you know, music out here in this area. And uh, because of also with harvest time coming up, we do get a lot of music. It would be really cool if you guys could, you know, come out here and uh, play, you know, some of these vineyards or, you know, um, do a couple of the different venues that, are going now are you going on tour with anyone or are you going on tour just with yourself um well there are several tours that we're working on right now and i okay uh, i'm excited to to know that that'll only be increasing as we work with strategic touring doing our booking mm-hmm. most of our touring is on our own and we'll play shows in various cities with bands that we know in those places. Um, We're also opening up all the time for bigger bands that we admire. We have a couple dates coming up with the infamous string dusters and uh, several more. I don't think that I'm at liberty to mention because they haven't been announced yet, but we have exciting things coming Mm -hmm. up and we would also, we would love to make it out there sooner rather than later. We, We do have plans to make it out to the West coast. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Now, I know I got the liner notes. Um, there are quite a lot of really cool little peop- little things in here that I've read where there are a lot of people that you're thanking and and uh, who was really instrumental in helping you with getting this debut, um, you know, dropped, you know, Meta Mountain's new music dropped. So who who do you, um, who has helped you the most besides your Chris? I know that's great being produced by um, that. So that's fantastic. Um, yeah. Do you want to our... elaborate on any of the people that have really helped you out? Yeah, sure. Obviously, our families have been immensely supportive, and um, without them, mm-hmm. we couldn't have done any of what we've done so far. Uh, mm-hmm. And Chris Pandolfi, also of the infamous String Dusters and our producer on the record, has been, um, he's really gone above and beyond. A lot of producers, they just show up for the, the recording session, and they, they give their two cents, and they sort of move some stuff around, and they, they keep everything going, and they put their personal imprint on the the sound of the record but then they're sort of out of there and it's been different with Chris he's uh seen a lot of potential in the group and um I think seen his ability where he's at in his career to lift someone like us up and really show us the ropes in a lot of ways musically but also business wise um Mm -hmm. so working with Chris Vandolfi has been pretty huge for where we are now and you can only imagine the impact that it's going to have in the months and years to come oh yeah also uh yeah and some of the people at the record label as well uh there's a guy named phil einson who's been just instrumental in helping us with the business side of things because we're a, a bunch of young guys we're just trying to figure it out and it's a kind of a crazy crazy world out there in music business and there's so many so many different ways that things go on and all this lingo and jargon and uh things that it sort of assumes that you know when you enter into that realm and he's helped us out for all the things that we don't know yet and uh also gone above and beyond what his responsibilities would be just working with the the label to really help us as a young band and uh make sure that's we great. are able you to know, fulfill all the opportunities really we have coming in. Mm-hmm. That's really great that you have somebody that's a seasoned, seasoned musician as well as, you know, producing you and helping you. And I know that it seems like everybody here has a really tight musical background. And um, it seems like all the players have it really dialed out and, I can see this going very, you know, I, I think that, too, it's very, very, uh, it's going to be a very huge success. I think I wish you the best on, you know, the November 2nd release. Um, and, again, uh, I wanted to let everyone know, go to meadowmountainmusic.com, and you can listen to, you know, some of the music, and you can also look at it and read a little bit about what's going on with the band. Um, I think that, I, I thought it was a really cool website. I like the, you know, the cover. Tell me about the cover. Um, it's really unique. Oh, yeah, for the, the album for the, Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always like to talk about that. 
sure. Yeah, it's a fun thing. It's that's a a cool way that art forms collide is uh, music and visual art. Uh, the artwork for our record was done by a guy named Kyle Ursery, who's a musician himself, mm-hmm. but does a lot of video and uh, just visual media stuff. So he mm-hmm. we did a, a a photo shoot with him, and we've worked with him on other things before, and. He came up with the concept of using those silhouettes of us each in profile with our instrument sort of double exposed over our profile. It's hard to explain, Mm -hmm. but I guess people just have to buy the record to see it. No, I saw it. And actually in the player um, on the Red Velvet Media interview here, again, if you've missed this, you can listen to it afterwards. On iTunes, I'm sorry, my voice is kind of going. On iTunes and also on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio, it'll be a podcast. And you can see the cover album art. And if you go to meadowmusic.com, meadowmountainmusic, excuse me, .com, you can see the album cover as well. I was hoping my co-host that does shows with me on Friday would call in he is um, an established album cover artist, and uh, he's done, you know, some pretty legendary album covers in the punk. You know, we we you know with Legs McNeil and uh, you know uh, um, all the different people in the punk industry, and as well as you know Joan Jett and Blondie and uh, um, you know we're Lou Reed, so. I wish he had called in because he re- even remarked on the album cover. He thought it was really kind of cool how the instruments were over each of you. So, and the colors that you chose too were really cool. Um, no, thank you. Now, on the on the on your, I think it was a GoFundMe, right? You did a GoFundMe page. Uh, Kickstarter. When you and it was already you had. How many days did it take for you guys? You said it was like funded in three days or five days? Yeah, within three full That's days fantastic. of us running the That's campaign, great. we were able to raise $20,000. And then you were able to also get your a little extra money, which is great. And then working in the studio itself is, is a full-time job. Now, I wanted to ask you, what if you could, you know, go on tour with anyone? Uh, who would it be and why? <laughs> with anyone at all? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I would That's love to know that. That's a question. You know, there are a lot of people that we really look up to, and mm-hmm. um, a lot of people that I, I would hardly dare to to mention. <laughs> it uh, seems so far fetched that we might go on tour with them, but. Um, yeah, there are a lot of bands from the East Coast uh, that we have drawn a lot of inspiration from. Bands like Balsam Range and Junior Sisk, and then uh, bands from other places like Special Consensus, and they all driving form of bluegrass, and it would be awesome to spend some time around them. But then on the progressive side, I think something that's uh, in the works uh, so someone more realistic will be touring with the infamous string dusters. And then mm-hmm. just recently, a couple days ago, I, 
we had the privilege of seeing one of our favorite bands, Punch Brothers, play at Red Rocks. And so oh, the wow. idea of ever doing a show with them would be uh, just too much. They're sort of the pinnacle in our form of music. It's going to happen. All you have to do is have a little faith. Wow. Red <laughs> Rocks is gorgeous. I've been there for quite a few concerts, and um, it's just it's so magical being out there. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, beautiful place. you know, and then hearing the music is just so gorgeous. And right now you guys are having your Indian summer too out there, aren't you? Right now? Yeah, the colors are pretty just warm out there. in the mountains and, uh, Colorado is so yeah. gorgeous this time of yeah, the year. Yeah, no, I, I love this place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really, I see, I see this music going pretty far and I think I think that the music itself um what's the next you know the music that you're writing is it pretty similar to this or is it a little bit different well we are taking a little bit of a turn now um Mm -hmm. this first record that's coming out on November 2nd is uh in many ways an expression of our study of straight ahead bluegrass and this subgenre called mash uh that we all love and mm-hmm. there's a, a lot of more progressive stuff on there as well but moving forward and a lot of the things that we're writing and covering and looking at potentially recording in the not so distant future uh lean more in that progressive vein and this really start exploring some of the more diverse influences that we each have as uh, the different members of this band, and it's pretty exciting. There's kind of no no limit to the uh, different directions that it could go. Oh, that's awesome! That's really really cool. I'm really excited to hear. You know, I mean, I've I've listened to. I I've been privileged to be able to hear most of the music, and it's really really cool. I can just tell you that. And uh, for everyone listening out there, it's coming out on November second. Um, where what's the platform that it's going to be sold on? Do you know? If it, is it going to be? It's obviously going to be able to be pre-ordered on your website. Is it going to go to iTunes or is it going to go on a different um, platform? Uh, on November second, the album will be available on all digital platforms, including Apple Music, Spotify. It'll be on mm-hmm. our website. It'll also be available physically in select stores. And you'll be able to hear yeah, it on the radio. Cool. We're going to try to get it out to everyone on pretty much every platform possible. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking about doing vi- a vinyl on this? Any kind of vinyl? A vinyl pressing that, for this? Yeah, that'll depend on uh, what kind of reaction we get from the album as it releases. We don't have any vinyl mm-hmm. press now. As much as we love the sound of a vinyl record, it's a... Uh, oh, Yeah. It's a very involved process getting them made and uh, from expenses mm-hmm. to with the rise of popularity again of vinyl, there are not enough uh, makers of records available to keep up with the demand. So it can take quite a long time to get your record pressed. It's coming so, back. It's coming yeah. back. Trust me. My, um, it's pretty cool thing. My, I, like I, yeah. Like I said, I wish my co-host had called in, um, for for Friday, he's doing a make making vinyl 
event in New York. And also there is a making vinyl event that happens, you know, once a year in Detroit. And vinyl is coming back. And what's really unique is a lot of bands like yourself, um, when they do a new release, they'll come out with a maybe limited edition vinyl, um, which is kind of fun. So maybe on your next one you can do, you know, like a special little package or something where you can do a vinyl release, which, you know, because vinyl is so much fun to have and people are collecting it so much now and again like you said everybody loves vinyl so you know there's a there there is a brand new press plant out here in california that is like doing a lot of pressing for vinyl which is really great so if you would like to maybe um i can give you some information on that afterwards um so you could have that because um, there's a lot going on that you could do, and I'd love to yeah, see. Sure. I'd love to see this come out, you know, in a physical form, because a lot of people really love to be able to hold it, you know, and play it and listen to it. There's nothing like listening to it on a CD, and then also, you know, the digital downloads are really great. Um, so now, how soon do you think your next one is going to be dropping? You're saying that you, how many songs do you have written already? Do you think for this next project? Uh, you mean the the next album? Yeah. That uh, that has no particular date set for it yet. Um, we are finding ourselves absolutely swamped with just trying to keep the band on the road all the time and uh, mm-hmm. get this album released and do it right. And as it's our first one, it's taking a lot of bandwidth. It's a a lot of learning experiences at every turn. So it'll be a bit more streamlined for our next release, I'm sure. But Mm -hmm. we're probably not looking at doing another recording until uh, late 2019, early 2020. Mm -hmm. Now, did you guys, you said you played New York. Did you play upstate New York or um, did you play New York City? Yeah, we uh, we played New York City at Rockwood Music Hall, and okay. we played upstate in a couple different places. We uh, one of our favorite stops out in that region is this little uh-huh. bakery called Dogwood Bread in Wadhams, oh, New York. That's awesome. This tiny mm-hmm. little town, but uh, this woman Carrie just runs a really cool operation there, and the community out there is uh, really inspiring. We got to spend a couple days out there because we had a, a day off mm-hmm. after we we played our show there and uh, just hanging out and having this family dinner that the whole ca- town sort of drops in on. And, uh, oh, yeah. That was really inspiring. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and then uh, the other saying. place in upstate New York California. where we played was... Yeah. yeah. Um, we had the privilege to play at Gray Fox Bluegrass Festival in Oak oh, Hill, really? New York. Oh, really? That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, I guess you got to meet a lot of people there. That's fantastic. That's really, really cool. Do you all, do you, when you meet other players, do you all kind of play off each other? How, and what's usually the response that people have had to your music that are that are already out there and have, you know, established music careers? Like this is 
great. This is fantastic music. So I could just imagine people are really just really blown away. And plus, your enthusiasm is great. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Um, well, one of my favorite things about bluegrass is that it's a, a folk art form. So it's very mm-hmm. open to people from all backgrounds getting together and all all different levels of playing. You can be an amateur and playing in the same band as a a person who's a big time touring professional and um it's called picking. So most other forms of music would describe them as a jam, but in bluegrass it's called a pick. And oh, really? when we're okay. traveling around the country and uh meeting other musicians and other bands, it's one of my favorite things about it is that you you meet someone and then you you know all the same tunes and you just play music together. You pick and you mm-hmm. hang out by a fire, drink beers and uh Oh that's great. Play fiddle tunes together. And this camaraderie that you can have instantly with all sorts of new people and, and it's a really beautiful thing about bluegrass music. And a mandolin, that's really a beautiful, that's a very special instrument. It really is. As all instruments are very special, but I just really love the mandolin. I think it has such a great sound to it. Um, yeah, I agree. I like it very much. You know, it's it's like, that's pretty cool. Well, you know, what I wanted to do was I wanted to, again, let everyone know uh, that this will be dropping on November 2nd, and it's Meadow Music meadowmountainmusic.com and we are going to be ending the show with Shadow of a Mountain and you had talked a little bit about it in the beginning Uh, let's talk a little bit more about it before we end the show yeah Shadow of a Mountain is about the Uh, the mountain go ahead you tell the story (laughs) Um, (laughs) well this one was written by George Guthrie our banjo player Mm -hmm. and it's a story song, so it, rather than having three verses and a chorus that repeats a few times, like so many songs, it's uh, a kind of a refrain with different words every time, and a bunch of verses in between it. It tells the story of uh, him, presumably, as the protagonist of the song, uh, being lost in the wilderness, and it's kind of a metaphor for being lost with this... Uh, person that he's no longer with uh, that he misses and um it's a lonesome tune which is a good thing because lonesome is one of the most important qualities of any good bluegrass song and i think george certainly does write a good bluegrass song oh that's fantastic yeah it's a driving bluegrass sound it's kind of a slow tempo and for any bluegrass pickers who are listening it's a notable tune because it's a F modal kind of tune. That's an uncommon key for uh, string instrument players. So they might mm-hmm. be interested to know that. Now, also, I wanted to let everyone know that you are on Facebook and also on Instagram. And, yeah, we have one um, of the best Instagram accounts anywhere. It will enrich your life. You should make it a part of your daily routine. I saw that. I I, I actually tagged you in a photo and on my Red Velvet Media uh, Instagram. I tagged you in a photo that um, when I announced the show. So uh, I don't know if you had a chance to see that or not. But it's on there. 
And yeah. uh, it's a great. So, yeah, I saw a lot of the photos. They're really, really fun. So what I want to do is I'm going to play Shadow of a Mountain, and I want to thank you so much for being here today. And I want to thank everyone for helping to um, put this show together and sending me the liner notes. And and really, this has been such a pleasure. And, I, and this isn't going to – we're going to be hearing a lot from you. I'd love to have you back, you know, when you go on tour um, and yeah, uh, when you're getting ready to release some new stuff. And when this comes out on November 2nd, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people talking about it. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for being here today. It really means a lot yeah, to me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And it, yeah, and it's Wednesday, guys. Um, I'll be back on the air Friday with Alejandro Escovedo, who um, will be on at, at 2 p.m. PST, 5 EST, and um, I guess 3 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. So now we've got... Uh-huh. We're gonna we're gonna be in all these different areas, but we do go global, just so you know. And I want to thank you again so much, Jack, for being here today. Yeah, it's been lovely talking with you. Okay, all right, here we go. Shot of a mountain, and you guys have a great week. What's left of it, and I'll talk to everyone Friday. <laughs>